It's quarter after one. It is uh, Dan and Jake here, and for the next half hour or so, half hour? Are we good with that? People? Yeah. Are we good with half hour? Okay, I want to ask your people. They want <laughs> Do to it off the air. Insult Be a pro. You. Yeah, I think we already had it set up. I would never have uh, put you on the spot. This is the great Adam Carolla, who's uh, in town... And I'm trying to figure out where. <laughs> the Sheridan. Oh, okay. Tickets available at adamcarolla.com. A little live podcast. I knew uh, adamcarolla.com. But uh, anyway, thanks for coming in. Love it. Thanks. My pleasure. And at adamcarolla.com, you could sign up for like a whole big bit, right? Yeah, I'd say. A whole... Uh... <laughs> you should go to adamcarolla.com. Well, we're doing a concert uh, with John Popper from Blues Traveler tomorrow night. So, Saturday at the Sheridan. I'm going to do stand-ups. I'll, I'll open. Actually, John is going to do five minutes of stand-up to open, which should be funny and or interesting. And then I'm going to do about 40 minutes of stand-up, and then he's going to do a whole Blues Traveler set. Has he done stand-up before? No. <laughs> but he does tell stories in between songs and has done it for many years. So he's pretty adept at kind of talking to the audience without the music playing. But this is a little bit different than what he's used to. What's your stand-up history? I know you've done, you know, your podcast shows and they're very unique. But I didn't really, I wasn't familiar with you doing stand-up stand-up. I wasn't really a stand-up, stand-up traditionally. I started off doing stand-up at the very, very beginning and then immediately kind of morphed into improv and sketch and uh, radio. And, and I, I got into a thousand different things, TV and stuff like that. So I, I never really got back to the stand-up. But after I got done doing terrestrial radio and television and stuff like that, I started to get back into stand-up. So I've been doing it for i don't know the last 12 years or something like that okay just and i've always thought that's really difficult and i love i love you doing your radio show and and the podcast and a lot of that is because you can kind of do the same thing but you change it up you know Mm -hmm. same themes but you but where stand-up you kind of almost have to hone a hone a beat for a certain joke and tell it the exact same way in different places do you do that that's hard to do. Yeah, I, I, I didn't used to do that. I used to do a lot more like crowd work and improvisational stuff. But a couple of years ago, I was sort of determined to discipline myself to really work a joke and, and work out the nuances of it and get it right. And, you know, it's not verbatim, syllable for syllable, but I do do just straight stand up now. It's not, you know, it's not a, hybrid of improv and stand-up or just walk out and do an hour of straight stand-up yeah are you always jotting down notes and things yeah yeah i do i do tend to jot down a lot of stuff also i do five you know i do a hundred hours of podcasting each each week so i can kind of find things that i said within the podcast and go oh that might work if i worked it out on stage when did you? When were you first approached uh, with the idea of podcasting? Like, obviously, you were doing a morning show for a half decade or so, and had been a part of other shows. 
Did someone come to you? Because we're talking, what, like 2009 at this point? Were you pretty aware of the emerging technology? Did you have to be sold on it? Like, what is this? No, I was doing morning radio, and I... Was it became I became aware that people were streaming my show. They would keep saying, "Oh, you have sixteen million minutes of streaming last month," or some some very high number. I remember they would say, "I think the fan in New York who carries the I don't know the Mets and the and the uh, Yankees games or something had twenty million, and then you had like sixteen million minutes," and and I was like. I didn't, and so I guess what that was was a bunch of Yankees fans that had moved all over the country and wanted just to listen online to a radio station, you know. So I had a bunch of fans who would who were Loveline fans, and I wasn't on in their market, and now they would just listen on their computer. So it, it became, but radio guys are dumb, you know. So I would go sixteen million minutes of streaming. That's got to be worth something. They go, no, it's not. Get those ratings up in Los Angeles, and you know, slam the door. And but it stuck in my head: if people are going to the computer and they're streaming the terrestrial radio show, maybe they would just stream a show, you know. And there were, I'd done a couple other guys. I'd done Bill Simmons' podcast a couple of times, like at the very beginning. It was kind of in its infancy. We didn't really know what it was, but it just made sense, you know. If it if it happened, if I lost my terrestrial radio job. A year earlier, two years earlier, I probably wouldn't have gone into podcasting. And if I would have lost, lost it two years later, it would have been no brainer to go into podcasting. But I lost it right at this time where it's like, maybe now, but no one else really saw the wisdom of it. But for me, I was sort of uniquely qualified. I had the info. Your terrestrial, uh, job was, so you took over for Stern, right? Half mm-hmm. the, half the Stern stations. I think I think the Something I like think that? a third. I think I took over the West Coast okay. for Stern. Wasn't yeah. the rest David Lee Roth? <laughs> there, David Lee Roth was in East or New York, and what if we take Rover? a guy who is kind of a good guest, right, and just gave him the own, whole four his hours own morning show? Um, yeah, which was the David Lee Roth. Yeah, uh, Mark, because everybody knows his name. Who knows Adam Carolla's name? Um. Well, That's probably have, the radio suits uh, thought process on that. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I don't know that it's about name recognition. I'm trying to think of what it was. So I, I was very recognizable back then. I think it was a it was a east to west and sort of thing. Like if they were smart, they probably would have just moved me or asked me to move to New York and do the show and syndicate back toward the west, but. They had him do it, and they had Grover. Grover, <laughs> who did the middle? Somebody did the middle of the country. I think it was Grover. Grover. What is it? Grover. I've never I'm, heard. Am of I that. saying Grover? Rover is what. Oh, Rover. Well, I said Grover, and then I said Rover. Yeah, Rover or Grover. He's still in the Midwest. Why did you lose that job? I don't recall. They well, David Lee Roth uh, flamed out fast. Yeah. I don't know what happened to Rover. Um, I did pretty well. I was number one. And, you know, people are like, yeah, everyone says that. But I was getting bonus checks for being number one in, in many cities. And 
my show was doing pretty good, and then they flipped the format to the radio station, and they just folded the whole thing. And then I had like I don't know ten months left on my contract or something. And they just folded the whole house. So when you get right into podcasting, you don't seem like the guy that would be too anxious or antsy about a venture like that. But it is a pretty big deal, especially thirteen years ago. Were you like fully confident that was going to work out, or was there some? Because I don't know what your personal financial investment was it was, uh, was and that's a huge part of it uh we're right on my 14th anniversary i think it's coming up like three weeks or something congrats yeah <laughs> so it was 14 years ago i didn't have any thoughts about it i i was just like uh this seems like the right thing to do i've never really been that calculated career-wise i was just like i'd like to do this or i don't want to do that and i would just kind of do or don't do what i wanted to do and so i had about 10 months paid on my contract to go so i was going to be floated for 10 months i didn't have to really worry about it but then after the 10 months there was going to be zero money so i was in my mind it was like you got 10 months to try to get this thing working in some way shape or form Two and, things I need to thank you for from my youth. Uh, I'm 37, Adam, uh, Adam. I had to uh, I had to buy a lot of new pairs of socks from mm-hmm. the Man Show because that was about the only thing that was available at the time. Sure. And yeah. uh, I had the I, Sears catalog. So I kept telling my mom that I'd left them in the locker room or something. Sure. That was uh, that was huge. And then Windy City Heat. Oh, Windy City Heat. Big three. Yeah, that's a weird project we did, and not. Many people know about it. I'm never sure who's, who's seen it. It's, it's a cult classic. It's a favorite of, you know, guys like Johnny Knoxville and stuff like that. It's like these Hollywood comedians and pranksters and stuff. They love that movie. It's a, it's a, it's all true. It was all done as you see it. Like we didn't cheat it. it was, it's a movie about a guy who, thinks he's making a movie but the movie he's making is not the movie he thinks he's making he he's making our movie and he thinks he's starring in an action film <laughs> called windy city heat <laughs> and there are, yeah there's a lot of comedy in that that film like uh, and a lot of cameos and just funny funny appearances and yeah that that's a true story and that guy's a guy we've known for a while and um that Jimmy sort of honchoed that and we we got it done and and the ladies at Comedy Central just thought it was too mean and kind of buried <laughs> it. It's pretty mean. <laughs> but everybody who sees it loves it. Like I've seen that movie in a packed movie house in uh West Hollywood and I've never heard that much laughing uh, in in a comedy ever and it it was and I don't even know where you find it, YouTube or something. Like I think it, I saw it on YouTube there. seven or eight years ago and was blown away. Yeah. Oh, someone must have told you to see it. Though. Yeah, yeah. Someone, a buddy of mine who actually used to work here, knew the sort same of, guy told me to watch it. Yeah, knew yeah. the sort of stuff I was awesome. into, and he's like, "Yeah, you've certainly seen this." It's I'm just like, kind of weird, undergroundy, word of mouthy kind of. You know, we yeah. made that movie twenty years ago, and, Love it. and it's never comes up, but a little bit more and more now, which is kind of interesting. So maybe you kids are out there passing it around like a joint uh this is the great adam carolla go to adam com if you would that's the way to get tickets right yeah. for this weekend show mm-hmm. and uh he has uh, graciously even off the air we already set this up that uh he'll hang out for at least one more segment 
And that segment will be called the 130 News. You know why we named it that? 130. And yeah. we're getting the news. Isn't that crazy? Let's get some traffic and weather going, too. All right, that's next. Cowboys football is a religion. And here's Jake with the 130 News. All right, thank you, Blake. Thank you, Halo God Guy. Hello, Ham. Hello, Jake. Hello, Milestone. Thank you to Milestone. We have a little bit of a follow-up on a story from yesterday. And we do have Adam Carolla in studio with us for the 130 News. Go to adamcarolla.com. You click on Working Blue. And uh, you can see all the details for everything that he and John Popper have going on this weekend. Live podcast tonight. Little, uh, oh, I guess we, I kind of want to talk to you about this. Uh, the K-Rock. podcast is tonight? Podcast tonight, oh, stand okay. up and concert tomorrow night. And a screening of uh, the K-Rock documentary. Yeah. Is that fully your venture? Um, yeah. I mean, it's <clears throat> it's a four-parter. It's not fully complete yet, but we're doing its sort of first screening of it, and I have some like highlights from it and stuff like that. So that's a doc about K-Rock, the radio station I started at, and Jimmy Kimmel and Carson Daly and all sorts of luminaries started at. And it's, uh, it's kind of an interesting... Interesting how it went from this little garage band kind of nothing station to this big behemoth that broke all these mega bands to whatever the hell it is today. But, uh, yeah, I'll be showing some snippets of that and talking through that as well. Cool, cool. AdamCarolla.com. A little bit of a follow-up on a story we had yesterday as Alec Baldwin's lawyer has had a chance to weigh in now. After Baldwin was charged with involuntary manslaughter, of course, in the deadly shooting on the set of the film Rust last year, 2021, actually. His lawyer says, Baldwin had no reason to believe there was a live bullet in the gun or anywhere on the movie set. He relied on the professionals with whom he worked. He was assured that the gun did not have live rounds. We will fight these charges and we will win. I support Jack Donahue. I, what do you uh, think, a guy who's been on a movie set? We were arguing or wondering a lot about this yesterday. Uh, Just about I, that whole thing, him being charged. I talked to uh, attorney Mark Gergos about this on a podcast that I do with him called Reasonable Doubt. Um, and we kind of got into the nuts and the bolts of it. A um, couple things. You, he's in trouble as a producer more than as an actor. So... You know, he had a reasonable expectation to think there was the gun wasn't loaded because who the hell would hand a, a hot loaded gun to somebody on a set? On the other hand, they're going to find a lot of, pardon the pun, smoking gun emails of people saying this isn't a safe set. People are unprofessional. We need to save money on the armor. Don't get the experienced guy. Get the young chick. She's cheaper. And that's kind of where he's going to get into trouble. Like if he was just showing up as an actor and just had a, you know, like he was doing a bad rom-com from the 90s and just hammering a paycheck, then he'd probably have nothing to do with this. But he's got something to do with the production of it, and the sort of production was negligent, and that may, he may have some exposure because of that. Is it true that they use actual guns now more commonly on sets than before? Um... I don't, I've heard that they have, yeah, I think, I mean, nothing looks more realistic than actual guns and, and boobs are pretty much the same. You can't, it's hard to do better. They're fake versions, but it's hard to do better than the actual real deal. You need a big natural handgun. That's right. That's right. A nice 
big D revolver. So I guess they do use real guns. I've, you know, I've done a few comedies, so there's not a whole lot of gunplay on the movies, uh, movies I do, but I've, I've heard how it works. And the thing about, the sets is there's just tons of protocols. Like you say things out loud. You hold it's it's kind of like being on a ship, you know. And it's like aye aye, sir, first lieutenant, ten, you know, south by southwest, south by everything gets repeated and everything is protocoled because they don't want this to happen. So I'm surprised, but I did hear that they were using the same gun and like taking target practice. That's what I read as well out in the out in the desert on in between takes and stuff like that, and that's. That's the part where Baldwin may be liable. That part where he's a producer and under his under his purview, there's people playing around with hunt. Like, why why do you even have a live round yeah. anywhere near that set? Are right, you want to hear uh, what we play for an interstitial? Yes. <laughs> Sweet. It's just from Lethal Weapon. Is that clearable? <laughs> we don't. We don't ask. I know the producers <laughs> of Lethal Weapon 1 through 5, so... Yeah, a little, just a little sax riff. Keep it cool here. Yeah. I'm gonna... <laughs> I think oh, you'd enjoy yeah. our movie of the month. We do a movie of the month, and that was ours last week, or last month. Uh, you a Seagal guy? Who isn't? Yeah. that's So Jake picked this week this month's uh, movie in... Under Siege. On Deadly we're Ground. A, we're doing Under you Siege You can't go wrong week. with like the first six or seven films, but... Right. Under Siege? Under yeah. Siege was a big one for Classic. me. Uh, we have my dad on the show to pick football games, and that was a big, we're going to dad's for the weekend, mm-hmm. rent from Blockbuster, because mom's not letting an eight-year-old watch, nine-year-old yeah. watch Under Siege, but that was a big player for me. That was a good, it, you know, Tommy Lee Jones was a tour de force in that movie, and, and so yeah, was Busey. Come on. Come on. <laughs> he was awesome. So I don't know if you all have kept up with the story of this uh, this fella in uh Massachusetts, who has been arrested for killing his wife? Wait, hold on a second. That's all we're going to do on Under Siege? Oh well, I mean we've we've been talking about it all day for. I just tell you my favorite part of every <laughs> '90s action movie is where they go. This guy's just an orderly, or he's just a cook, <laughs> or he just works laundry detail. Give me his records, and at some point they go. Oh my fifth god! Fifth degree black belt, special, Taekwondo, special forces, five bronze stars, five Navy stars. He's, yeah. he's the only one who was Navy SEALs, Green Beret, and and special forces. My God, this guy's uh, the, the best. He's a killing machine. <laughs> like I love the reading yeah. of because yeah. if you read any of my stuff, you'd be like. Oh, we can kill this douchebag. Come on. <laughs> right, yeah. He was put on academic probation at yeah. a junior college. Yeah. Jesus. Come on, people. I mean, if we if there's a car that needs fixed, <laughs> yeah. he's equipped. But other than that, like, yeah, there's nothing not There's nothing it. on the sheet that doesn't yeah. make me and, think one of us can't kill this and person. In the top corner, they also always have like their military photo, and it's just square yeah. jaw, <laughs> right. the hat on, just looking badass. And in a photo of me, I'm like half awake at the DMV. Yeah. I'm like taking a photo. I'm like, oh, I'm so high. Okay, yeah. So this guy in Massachusetts who murdered his uh, wife, or he's been arrested for uh, for murder. He was initially charged about a week ago with uh, misleading law enforcement. Mm-hmm. This which, is more serious. Yeah, That's ta- a charge? Yeah. Like, okay. if you lie, and they can figure out that you lied. I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. How many people are arrested for the first one, but not the second? Mm. Like, and doesn't that- everyone mislead law enforcement? Like, you know why I pulled you over? 
Uh, no, I do not. You know right, you're doing. You know you're doing 86 <laughs> in a school zone. Right, I thought I was going uh, 75. Anything to drink tonight? No, I have no. not. Yeah. We smell of beer. Like uh, it, we you all just misled him. Yeah. All we do is try to mislead law enforcement. But my point is, just has anybody ever misled and then not been guilty of the crime? Like, is there a guy whose wife disappeared? He didn't kill her. Mm. But just for fun, he was like, "I'm going to mislead them. I'm going to have a zany story here." <laughs> that, well, there, you, you there, probably usually. I mean, there was OJ. I mean, the guy fl- was leaving right. the and then Tijuana. he was innocent. Yeah. I guess that's yeah. true. That's yeah. a pretty high profile one. This guy's going to have a tough time uh, because the law enforcement officials have gotten a hold of his Google searches. Oh yeah. So she disappeared on January first. Did he not go incognito? Uh, I don't think that works. Snowden. Oh. <laughs> I think they could still probably get that. That's all you got to do is incognito mode. Private mode, and no one, the government will never know. Right. Search how to kill your wife. So the first search he made on December 27th starts out pretty tame here. What's the best date to divorce for a man? Mm-hmm. All right. I got that at the top of my browser right now. But by January 1st at 4.55, things had really started to heat up. How long before a body starts to smell? Mm. How to stop a body from decomposing? This next one here feels like a uh, a BuzzFeed article. Ten ways to dispose of a dead body if you really need to. Let me tell you something about this guy. (laughs) He looks guilty. You know what I'm talking about? Absolutely. Picture of him. Yeah. Was he expecting a YouTube video to pop up right. to help him? Yeah, d- smash the like and subscribe. What do those searches get you? Because remember, we searched how to. Uh, I'll tell you off the air. Because <laughs> we were uh, d- discussing whether they said in Goodfellas you need lime or yeah. lie to oh, help. I think, yeah, I think lime is what I heard, but that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. So I've searched that. Well, the key judge is uh, to, it's just because of Goodfellas. The key is to do it now. Yeah, do it now. And then bank that in Five, info. six years later. Y- yeah, you'll be in the clear. Yeah. I'll reel through these. Uh, okay. How long for someone to be missing to inherit? So do it when your kids are like 12 or 13. And then by 18. Because, yeah. you know, yeah, once they're the moving house. out of the house, then then you can do it. Yeah. It's, it's hard to kill your wife when you have kids running in and out. How long for someone to be missing to inherit? <laughs> Clunky. Uh, can you throw away body parts? How long does DNA last? This is all before noon, by the way, on uh, New Year's Day. Uh, how to clean blood from wooden floor, luminol to detect blood, basically just your whole... Yeah, but if I'm his lawyer, I'm saying, of course the guy who framed him would type that in right. his right. search. That's right. And now we got to find that guy. He's a one-armed man, <laughs> and that's why his typing is so crappy. <laughs> Through that with grammar and punctuation alone, we know he's a one-armed man. Who's barely literate. And he's on the lam. Why are we wasting time talking about this? Uh, The next day, he took a break around noon. Next day, hacksaw best tool to dismember. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I would say coping saw. I mean, I used to be a carpenter, but that's just me. Maybe a dovetail saw. Maybe a backdraw saw. I would definitely not use a high point saw. That is a that is a mess. Do not use a contractor saw. Do not use a compound radial sliding saw. Don't use a bandsaw. I mean, a bandsaw would be good if you had a facility, but out in the woods, no. Don't use a bandsaw. I would say I would say hacksaw, dovetail, or coping saw would probably be probably be the most effective. 
Or you could just go to the circular finish. I mean, if that's your thing, but I'm not. I feel like uh, if you're friends with Adam Carolla, you could get this done. Because you wouldn't have to get on the Internet. Right. I would say compound sliding miter saw, but that's a nice piece of equipment. You You don't want to ruin that that one up. No. Right. Right. Because you got to throw this in the river. When you're done, you know what I mean? And a good, like, 10-inch, 60-tooth carbide tip thing, compound miner, that could set you back, like, 400 big ones. And you don't want to throw that in the river. But hacksaw, that's 9 bucks. <laughs> Dovetail, eight, eight, nine bucks. Coping, same Maybe price. you don't want to cheap out on this, Adam. Well, but you're yeah. throwing the crap in the yeah, river when But you want to make sure it's done it. right. This is the big game. Wouldn't you hate to be caught because you went, you know, you went with, like, bargain... Uh, yeah, bargain basement. Yeah, go with the go with the Bosch or and you're going to get the inheritance. Mm-hmm. You've already searched that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Now let me tell you about this guy. Have you seen what this guy looks like? <laughs> he looks dumb and guilty. He does. He looks dumb and guilty. Let's see. And every woman I know looks at him and goes, "Oh, look at him! Look at him! Look at look what he did! Look what he did!" Some women are looking at him. They're excited about it. No, they're going, look at that. He did it. Somebody is. He did it. Look at that guy. But before we trust women, remember about 20 minutes ago, they saw Michael Avenatti, and they're like, that guy's going to be the next president. Look at him. Look at that guy. He's a genius. He'd go on The View, and they're like, when are you going to run for president? So women can be pushed by the looks just as well as men can. I don't know that I found Avenatti or Avenetti. Is he attractive? He was attractive to women and don't pretend you're not gay. <laughs> he had a very strong jawline and he had, yeah. he had very blue eyes and women loved him. They're like, listen to that guy. Look at his jaw. And he, he was trusting a porn star. He wasn't judging her. That was helpful too. That's right. And, but he was anti-Trump. So they were like, that guy's going to fight Trump. We got to vote him in. And they're all up in Avenatti's grill. And now he's, well, his cell partner is going to be this guy. Yes, he, he's going to jail. I like he? that we think that prisons are so limited and coincidental. Like, he's going to be having a partner with what? Yeah, yeah the guy with the crypto bit. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. He's going to be like his it. cell partner. It's like, I don't think that's how prisons work. It'd be a wild coincidence. It'd be like we only had like four cells. The celebrity wing. Yeah. The celebrity segment of the prison. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we appreciate your time today, Adam Carolla. You have a website. It is adamcarolla.com. You click on Working Blue. And you can see the details for the big event this weekend. It's at the Sheridan in Dallas. There's a live podcast tonight. There's stand-up and a show by John Popper tomorrow night. It's a meet and greet, so go check it out at adamcarolla.com. Man, I, I love hearing you just start riffing on movies and such, just because it reminds me of my favorite Adam Carolla fake movie, uh, mm. The Island Where You Would Put Pedophiles. Oh, pedophile. Yeah. Pedophile. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pedophile. Yeah. Yeah, that was a strong one. Because we have Pregnancy Island here we've talked about. Yeah. Uh, that's where we'll put our our wife, our wife, wives if she becomes pregnant. We just think women should all be on. The treatment? Mm. Top and notch. one island. Relaxing. I mean, it's going to be great for them. This is not just going to be some like. And then there's a workout situation. facility for because she's yeah. going to. You'll see her again in Two months uh, after. eleven months. Yeah. yeah. So she this, gets pregnant. We send yeah. her to Pregnancy Island, but pedophile. Pedophile. Sorry. Well, Pedof- I. <laughs> it's where we send the pedophiles. Yeah, and the pedos. Little St. James is available if you want to. It uh, and. Yeah, we, we, we've done historically. Because you can't get it out of them. No, it's 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 ingrained in you. It's it's a sickness. It's yeah. So we'll just put them together. We'll sequester them, which seems like a good idea until the 
plane that's coming back from the Cub Scout Jamboree Crash. in Antigua <laughs> crash lands on pedophile. Oh no! Now we would uh, we would send the Marines, but we have not recognized it officially, right? right. The government right. is been sight. slowly yeah. sending these people at <laughs> night so they can't intervene, but one man yeah. can. The Steven cook. Seagal. His name right. is Steven Seagal. <laughs> yeah. right. And he's breaking <laughs> protocol because he's in the war room and they're like, we can't do it. No, anything. I'm out of that game. We, we have to send the best. I, I'm out of that game. Show. Uh, oh, you're back I'm in. I'm a cook now. <laughs> Cut to blowing up Zodiac. <laughs> Get someone else. Get but, someone else. No, I don't play you're that the best. Game. You're the best. <laughs> All right, one All more. Right. AdamCarolla.com. Good times. Yep.